0: Good morning. It is a good morning. If you woke up alive this morning, it was good. Amen. You look out over this sea of faces. You look younger every year. I'm not sure what that is. I'm a man of mixed emotions. I now have three grandchildren in this college. And uh, they're going to critique me as I preach. So I've got to do a good job. Amen. <laughs> Uh, it's good to be back. I enjoy, I have a lot of fond memories of this work, especially the college and the church. And I knew God brought me here for a specific reason. And one of the reasons was just to reinforce what I already believed, the stand I was taking, the the uh, standards that we had adopted. And I came here and I knew Pastor Van took that same stand. And so it was a real help to me just to reinforce that. And I got a break from, we started a church for 23 and some, uh, years plus And then came here for five and a half years, and I was ready to go back into ministry again. But then I took a church that somebody else had started and pastored, and that was a different experience, but a good one. My son-in-law now pastors that church, and I've moved on for health reasons, but now I have uh, pretty good health. So I'm back in pastoring, and uh, it's been a blessing. I I have mixed emotions about uh, leaving the church in Fairmont, uh, but I know I'm not called to be the pastor there. I know that. And I've made that clear to them, but just finding a guy that would take the position. We are looking at a good guy right now. I trust you'll pray because we seem to be on the same page, what we're looking for. In fact, two of them here recently I've talked to at length, and I'm trusting that one of these men will be the one, the one I talked to. This is the kind of church he's looking for. So I just talked to him yesterday again. So if you pray with us about that, I'd appreciate that. I know that uh, the church is uh, not anxious but uh, they're ready for a new pastor. So uh, you pray about that if you would. Uh, take your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 13, if you will, this morning. I have was kind of debating what, to, which one to preach. I had two different messages, but I'm going to preach this one this morning. I feel led to do this one. I want you to turn to Romans chapter 13. We're going to look at three verses here to begin with. We'll come back to this text eventually, but... It says in verse 8 of chapter 13 of Romans, O no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Father, would you bless this morning thy word to our hearts. May it be helpful, may it be instructive, but Lord, may we take it seriously and apply it. Because this is very, very important in our lives as believers. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Back in the 60s, there was a a female vocalist that sang a song. It was entitled, What the World Needs Now is Love, Sweet Love. Well, she was right on that, but not on the love she was talking about. What this world needs is to see and experience and know the love of God. Amen? If you've been saved this morning, you've experienced that. God loves us. And this message this morning, I hope, will help you young people because practicing this in the dorm is a good place to practice it. How to get along with one another, how to develop proper relationships with one another and cultivate those relationships and treat each other the way we should be treating each other. It's amazing how sometimes Christians treat each other in churches and how they don't get along at times and how there can be divisions and grudges and all kinds of things going on that should not be going on in the lives of God's people. And if we would follow what he's saying here, it wouldn't happen. So let's look at this this morning. Love originated with God. There's no, it goes without saying, it originated with God. And it says, for God so loved this world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. The fact is, and you heard this in the meetings, God loves us. He loves you. Some of us have to come to grips with that because we perhaps were raised in a home where love was not displayed, where we did not experience affection from our parents or ever was told we were loved. And sometimes we have trouble getting a, a grasp on this, that God loves me, not just everybody else, but he loves me. And my friend, you have to come to grips with that sooner or later. He does love you. And sometimes we doubt his love because of certain things that happens in our life or broken relationships or what went on in our home and so forth and so on. But we have to come to the place where we embrace that truth. This is an eternal truth that God loves us. And we need to embrace that truth and we need to walk in light of it daily. That God loves me. Amen? Amen? And if you're doubting that in your heart and life, listen, you've got to accept this by faith. And apply it. And just know that God loves you. However, God also wants us to love as he loves. Remember what Jesus said in John 13, 34, and 35. He said, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And he went on to say, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one toward another. Loving one another. Love, the Bible says, is a debt that we owe. Romans chapter 13 and verse 8. Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. Very interesting statement to grasp what he's saying here. As one man said, this verse is not a prohibition against proper use of credit. It is an underscoring of a Christian's obligation to express divine love in all interpersonal relationships. The love of God. He wants us to love others as He loves us. That's a tall order, would you not say? That's a tremendous responsibility, but it's not an option. It is an obligation. It is a responsibility that God has given to us as Christians to love. So how important is this love that God commands us to show to one another? Well, in one instance, the Lord gives a story. There was a lawyer stood up and said to him, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Matthew 22, verses 36 to 40. And Jesus replied, he said this, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. Mark records it. He says in Mark twelve thirty that Jesus went on to say, "And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength." And people, that's quite a quite a tall order to fill. In fact, humanly speaking, it's impossible. For a human being to do this without divine intervention and divine enabling in order to do this. But he didn't stop there. He went on. And the second is like it. Namely this. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And he said there is none other commandment greater than these. But then he said this. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets the Lord Jesus Christ condenses all of the word down to two commandments love God with all your heart mind soul and strength and love your neighbor as you love yourself years ago we had a book came out on how to love yourself and there was this emphasis on loving self you remember that I forget the guy who wrote the book I had to read it in working on my doctorate I had to read the book Young people, you don't have to be told and taught to love yourself. You love yourself. So I just don't, I hate myself. Really? Well, if somebody's gonna shoot you or cut you up, you say, come on. <laughs> Is that what you say? Or do you say, oh, wait a minute? Oh, you love yourself. You know, husbands, are told to love their wives as they love themselves. And when they love their wife, they are loving themselves in a sense. But the Lord Jesus Christ is saying here that these two commandments condense all of his word into these two things. If we abided by these and lived these, what a different world it would be. What a different church it would be. What a different college it would be. If we truly practice what he's commanding us to practice so the Lord condenses them down the Ten Commandments condenses it all down into Ten Commandments doesn't it you have Ten Commandments the first four deal with your relationship with God the next six deals with your relationships with people down here on the horizontal level and I find it very interestingly that the first one number five the first of the the dealing with the human relationships is the parental relationship that you're to have in the home. With your parents. Honor thy father and mother. I'm telling you, young people, there's a lot of young people today that do not honor their parents, the way they talk to them, the way they treat them. And uh, God gives dire warnings in Proverbs, especially about doing that, okay? And He gives that commandment, the first commandment, with promise that your days might be long on the earth, okay? And so He condenses it down to ten commandments but then the Lord Jesus goes on to condense it down to these two because love is the regulation it is the key to all of this and so Jesus says love your neighbor as you love yourself so love is the key factor in all this so how important is this love for us well Paul put it this way in first Corinthians 13 verse 13 in talking about that classic chapter on the subject of love he concludes by saying now abideth faith hope charity which is your word love and the greatest of these is what love charity the greatest of all is love the right kind of love I venture to say when it comes to loving God The challenge is probably more challenging to love one another. However, there's no way you and I can love God the way Jesus is talking about without divine help. Humanly speaking, it's impossible. But God has given us the Holy Spirit of God that dwells in us. We have the ability, we have the wherewithal to love God that way. That should be our goal, amen? Is to love God like that. That's not an option. It's a divine obligation that's been given to us. But then to love our neighbor as ourselves. Now that's a challenge, amen? How many of you found that to be a challenge in the dorm without indicting yourself? Of course. Getting along with people in a church, in a family, even siblings, even parents with children, so on. It's a challenge. But God has put responsibility on us to make it happen, okay? And the only way it's going to happen is we see what God says and then we determine to obey that, put it into practice and do it, okay? And aim for that. But now let's consider three things this morning about love. I'm going to look at a couple other passages here with you. First, we'll look at our text. Romans chapter 13, verse 10 is my text. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. The key is love, okay? Okay? To love thy neighbor is to fulfill the law. James said in James 2 and verse 8, If you fulfill the royal law, according to the scripture, you do well. So what is the royal law? This. Love your neighbor as yourself. So what does that mean? Well, Jesus gives us a commentary or an explanation of it in Matthew 7 and verse 12. And here's what he said. Therefore... All things whatsoever you would that men should do to you, do you even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Interesting. So how do you want to be treated? How do you want people to treat you? What do you want them to do for you? All right. Then turn it around and do it for your neighbor. Amen. That's what he's saying. Put it into practice. So treat people the way you want to be treated. Do unto others as you would do unto yourself or have done unto yourself. So it means however you want others to treat you, then treat them accordingly. Amen? Get self out of the picture because the biggest problem is yourself. And you love self. And the Bible tells us what to do to self. Jesus told us what to do to self. Except a man deny himself. He cannot be my disciple. Paul put it this way as he wrote to those Corinthians who certainly needed to die to themselves. He said, I die, how often? Daily. You see folks, this is not a weekly Sunday by Sunday. This is a day by day thing. The applying of this and living this is a daily thing. Getting up in the morning and starting your morning with devotions and time with God and praying. And uh, receiving the filling of the Holy Spirit. And then determining to do right and treat your co-students the way you want to be treated. The illustration that Jesus gave when the one man said, Who's my neighbor? So he gave us the story of who? The Good Samaritan. So he tells the story of this man who fell among thieves going from Jerusalem down to Jericho. He fell among thieves. They beat him up. They took everything. They left him lying in the ditch to die. And along comes a priest. Now you'd think a priest would be concerned, wouldn't you? That he would show love to this man, but he didn't. When he saw him, he went to the other side of the road and passed him by. Well, now here comes a Levite. Now, of course, surely these people. But he didn't. He saw him, and he went to the other side and passed him by. And I find this very, very interesting, especially when he's addressing a Jewish audience. A Samaritan came along. The people that the Jews looked down on as dogs would have nothing to do with them. But he comes along. He sees the man lying in the ditch, And he goes over, he gets him out of the ditch, he puts him on his donkey, he takes him to the inn, he dresses his wounds and cleans him up. And then he pays the innkeeper two pence. And then he said, and if there's any more, you let me know and I'll take care of it. Now Jesus asked the question, who was his neighbor? It was the Samaritan. The Samaritan showed love to him by seeing a man in need and coming to his aid and giving of himself and his money to see that this man was taken care of. So the Lord gives us an example of that. Now turn to Galatians, over to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. And I want you to look at verse 13. Galatians 5 verse 13. And Paul says, for brethren, you have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. Now we have a liberty in Christ, and Paul addresses that in the beginning. Stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. But the question is, what is this liberty? Is it liberty to do what we want, what pleases us? No, it's not. It's liberty to do what God intended for us to do and what he intended when he made us. But now that we're redeemed, we're now able to do what God wants to do through us and in us. We have the liberty to do this. We have the indwelling spirit to enable us to do this. But Paul warns about this liberty. The very thing that there are young fundamental Christians, I'm not even sure they're fundamental anymore, but violating this principle by accommodating the flesh. And they want to indulge in certain fleshly pleasures. And Paul says, you've been called liberty; only use not liberty for an occasion for the flesh. In other words, don't give the flesh an opportunity. The word has the idea of a base of operation, like a military place when I was in Israel years ago and on on, uh, the mount down there at the Dead Sea where the Jews had their last stand in the Roman invasion and so forth. And as you look down around that mountain, you'll see four squares, one on each corner. Well, that was a, a place they enclosed for the soldiers to stay in at night. And they operated in and out of that, a base of operation. Paul is saying, don't do that with the flesh. Don't give it an opportunity, don't give it a base of operation by which you can indulge in fleshly desires that are oftentimes sinful or can lead to sin. Rather, put on Christ. Romans thirteen fourteen. the Apostle Paul said, put you on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for this flesh. Young people, you've got to take this seriously. The devil's out there. The enemy's there. He's always looking for opportunities to get you to fall, to give in to temptation, to get involved in sin. And so Paul says, put you on Christ. In other words, like putting on your clothes. Put on Christ. Take on Christ, his, how he thinks, how he talks, how he lived, what he did, how he ministered, how he treated people. Put on Christ and be like him and follow him as we're commanded to do. We're to live a pure and holy life. The secret to living a chaste life is to clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. And make no provision. The idea of this word is to take no forethought or plans of indulging in what you know is wrong. What is sinful. What is simply satisfying or gratifying the flesh. Paul said don't do that put on Christ do what the Lord Jesus Christ would do and then he goes on to say in that verse don't use liberty for an occasion of the flesh but by love serve one another we are to serve one another servants the Lord Jesus Christ himself said this in Mark 10 the son of man did not come to be served he came to do what? To serve and give his life for many. He didn't come to be served. I find it interesting at the Last Supper, the Lord's Supper there as he is making the transition from the Old to the New. He observes the Passover and then institutes the Lord's Supper, the Communion. I find it interesting when he told those men to get the room prepared, there's one thing missing not one of those men made provision to wash somebody else's feet, did they? They didn't. Wasn't that the custom? Wasn't that what normally what is done when you go to a home? So what happened after the supper, the Lord Jesus, it's amazing takes the bowl of water and a towel, and he kneels at their feet and begins to wash them. How humbling? Those men, and old Peter, you know what he does? He said, Lord, you're not washing my feet. He said, Peter, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part with me. Well, in that case, my hands, my head. He said, no, no, no. All you need is your feet washed. So what was he teaching those men? Well, they've been arguing about who's going to be the greatest. Who's going to sit on either side of the throne when he takes his kingdom? And the Lord says, look, greatness is not seeking to get one of those Seats on either side of the throne. Greatness is you being willing to humble yourself and serve. And Paul tells you how to do it by love. Serve one another. By love, serve one another. All the law is fulfilled in this. Look at verse 14. For all the law is fulfilled in one word. It's amazing. All the law is fulfilled in this word. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. In chapter 6, he gives us an illustration. The apostle begins to deal with in chapter 6, verse 1. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. The idea is a man who is not intending or planning to do this, but he falls into it, he's overtaken. And then he says in verse 2, bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill what? Look at your text. What does it say? And so fulfill the law of Christ. The burdens here is a different word from the burden. The word burden in, chat in verse 5. The word here he's using is that which is an overload. In other words... He doesn't have the ability to bear this. It's like overloading a ship. A ship has a certain capacity, Uh, a semi has a certain capacity. And of course, you have police out there and the weights on the the interstates to check these to make sure they're not overloaded, okay, beyond their capacity. So the idea of this word is here's something's coming on here, it's come upon him, and he's not able to bear it. So he's saying, All right, you who are spiritual, Come on, help. Help bear this burden that this brother or sister is under. And sometimes we'll say, well, I'll pray for you. Well, that's good. But what if they need something? And what does James have to say about that? What does John have to say about it? James deals with faith. John deals with love. But they both do the same thing. They take care of the need. They fulfill it. They reach out. You say you love, but you see somebody has a need and you do nothing about it. You don't love that person at all, okay? God loved us and he saw there was a need, so he took care of the need. He sent his son down here to meet that need and to make it possible for us to be redeemed. Now, I want to talk in closing here about the language of love. What does all this look like? What does this love we're talking about look like? How does it come out? Um... Well, let's go back to our text in Romans chapter 13 and look at it for a moment, and then we'll draw some other texts in with it. But Paul again went on to say, he went on to say, O no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. And then he says in verse 9, For this, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, Thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. It's interesting. He doesn't bring out the relationship between them and God, he brings it out between man, human relationships, interpersonal relationships. He doesn't mention the home. He mentions outside that, you notice that? He doesn't mention the fifth commandment, honor your parents. He mentions the five that deals with outside personal relationships. That's anybody, could be your co-student, your co-worker, the neighbor you live beside of, people you run into out on the street or in the stores and wherever it might be. He said, look, and if there's any other, it's summed up in this, love your neighbor. As yourself. And then he says, Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. So the first thing we see here is, God is saying, If you really love your neighbor, you will do him or her no harm. Period. No ill. No harm. To that person. But Paul gives us a picture of this love. The characteristics of it. When you go to that chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians again, what we find, someone said, this is the personification of love. But he says this about love. Love suffers long. In other words, it's patient. It's long-tempered. And in addition, it's kind. It's kind. Love envies not. It doesn't see what somebody has and has that desire just of uh, if that was only mine, if I only had that, and so forth and so on. It doesn't do that. Love vaunts not itself. In other words, it doesn't go around boasting and bragging about itself. Amen? Some Christians need to learn. You don't do that. Okay? Love vaunts not itself. Love is not puffed up. It doesn't have pride. Okay? Pride is number 1 on God's hate list that which is an abomination unto him in Proverbs chapter 6 proud look that turns God away and he resists the proud yet love next does not behave itself unseemly someone said that's the idea of being rude it's not rude to people love seeks not its own it's not self-centered ...or self-motivated. It's not easily provoked. Love thinks no evil. Love rejoices not in iniquity. It does not delight in sin and iniquity. But rather it rejoices in the truth. And then Paul sums it up in the last verse. He said, look, love bears all things, believes all things... Love hopes all things and it endures all things. My friend, that's a picture of your Savior. That's a picture of what Jesus Christ is like. That's Him and that's to be us. Amen? Just like Him. So, how is your love this morning? Are you loving others as Christ has loved you? Are you uh, loving your neighbor? as yourself the love that you have this morning would it be characterized by what we just read from 1 Corinthians 13 that characterizes your attitude, your spirit, your behavior in your interpersonal relationships with your fellow students your co-workers even your family you know folks, this is a tall order isn't it, it's convicting it's humbling But it is not an option that God is giving us. This is a divine command. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And you are to love your neighbor as yourself. This is not a request, it's a command.